You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart, where we interview Oanda senior market analysts across the world during the week. And today it is Craig Earlham in London. Craig, good morning, and I hope you had a good weekend. Good morning. Let's start with the overnight numbers from Asia and, of course, the opening on the FTSE this morning in the UK and the rest of the European markets. I believe they've started a bit lower. Yeah, Europe started lower. Asia was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, It does feel like we are seeing sentiment not take a hit because I think that's a bit extreme given the numbers that we're seeing. But we are seeing a little bit of a dip. And I do wonder whether the coming weeks are going to be a bit more challenging than anticipated. I think you've got the double whammy, really. We have rising US yields, which I think is an important point that people are paying a lot of attention to. Last week, we had the US 10-year Treasury go above 1%, which is nothing. I mean, let's face it, in the, in the grand scheme of things, the US 10-year yields above 1% borrowing for 10 years is is nothing. But it's, it's kind of the symbolic nature of it, the fact that it was kind of hitting a ceiling around 1%, the move above potentially signalling a bit of a taper uh, tantrum potentially forming. Um, I think that's still probably a bit extreme at this point, but maybe making markets a little bit nervous. Real yields are still very much negative, and I think that's the most important thing. So I think that's one thing that's maybe contributing to the slight risk aversion we're seeing this morning, and I do want to emphasise slight. I think the other thing as well is that, I mean, obviously last week was unreal, but I don't think that's necessarily symbolic of how the coming weeks are going to be, and I think there's going to be a lot more attention once we move past the US political circus, I think there's going to be a lot more attention on the current COVID situation because I feel like it's not necessarily being downplayed. I just don't think it's really receiving the attention that that you would that you would expect. Um, we saw obviously late last week, we talked about it in the podcast on Friday, numbers in London, hospitalizations in London are up 35% now on the peak uh, in April and the numbers are still heading in the wrong direction. We're seeing uh, a lot more severity um, across many, many countries, including the US, including much of Europe as well. And I feel like this is going to uh, become an, a, an increasingly um, present topic uh, as far as these markets are potentially concerned. Because at the moment here in the UK, for example, we're on lockdown until mid-February. But you look at the direction of travel for these numbers and it's hard to imagine that that won't be uh, extended. And even if the lockdown ends, an entire country in tier four is hardly much better. I, I do wonder whether in the coming weeks there is going to be more of an influence on these markets of this situation because the distraction from Brexit, uh, stimulus, uh, Trump, US politics as a whole, once that passes, I wonder whether this is going to have a more more increasing role, which could dampen sentiments from the very high levels which we are currently experiencing. It's set to be a very interesting next five days or so. It's Trump's last week in the White House. And uh, you mentioned, of course, COVID, uh, the coronavirus, the vaccinations, the numbers in the UK and overseas are very significant as well. And let's start with Trump. What are the scenarios as far as the next few days are concerned? I mean, I think ultimately he's going to see his time out to the 20th of January. Famous last words, that could change. There's... Naturally, we're not all we're not all experts in U.S. political law, so you're always judging these things uh, as the information arrives. The talk right now is he could be removed by Mike Pence, uh, and and then prior to the 20th, uh, and you wonder what will then follow, whether things like pardons could potentially follow. Um, I, I, I read somewhere that maybe he could even potentially pardon himself. I'm not sure if that's actually 
uh, if that's doable. Um, but if it is, I'm sure Trump would very much uh, exercise that option um, if, if 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 he can. Uh, then obviously. In, in, in the absence of uh, Mike Pence removing Donald Trump, then the other option is impeachment. Now, again, I don't know if there's enough time to actually impeach before the 20th, so I'm not sure if it changes the timetable over the course of the next nine days, but I don't think those noises are going to go away as as, as this week progresses. That should have no impact on the markets. If, not, if, if, if last week had no impact on the markets, which it didn't, then impeaching a president that only has nine days left of his term should do absolutely nothing. But again, it's just a kind of political sideshow. Surely they'd want a seamless as possible transition. And even if there was a retrospective impeachment in the future, Craig, markets don't want that sort of instability. Um, Trump still has an enormous base. 50 million plus people voted for him. If you just took 1% of that number, it'd still be significant base. So some people even suggesting that Joe Biden uh, might pardon him if he goes quietly. You said markets aren't affected, but surely they are affected a little. No, they're really not. This is the thing. I mean, we look at how they reacted last week and there was very minimal uh, disruption in any way, shape or form. It was, it, It's almost like this has become a part of the norm. I think I said on Friday, uh, three, four years ago, that may not have been the case, but I think it's just something we've become accustomed to. Yes, we want as seamless a transition as possible, but that's occurring below Donald Trump anyway. So I don't think Donald Trump being impeached would have any impact on the uh, on the transition towards uh, the Joe Biden administration. I think it would just be again, it would be very much a political conversation that would that we would be hearing about talking about because uh, of just how massive a story it is. But I don't think it's a massive market story just because Joe Biden is going to be US president on the 20th of January, irrespective. And that is only nine days away. They obviously, the, the risk obviously being that without an impeachment, without removing, then what could happen over the course of the next next nine days? That's potentially some, some form of risk as far as these markets are concerned. But then, like I say, I don't think A, it's going to happen first and foremost, but B, if it did happen, I don't think it would have any market implications just simply because it, it doesn't really make a difference. There's no time for it to make a difference. Let's talk about the UK and uh, Europe and the rest of the world in terms of coronavirus. The Chief Medical Officer for England, Professor Chris Whitty, has warned that the next few weeks are going to be the worst of the pandemic. In other words, it's going to get worse before it gets better. There are these huge number of vaccination centres opening this week, and it does look like the UK is ahead of Europe as far as the vaccination numbers are concerned. Already 2 million people have had their first dose of the COVID vaccine. My mother's having hers on Tuesday, by the way, which I was very pleased about. She's uh, over 80 and there are probably another 1 million or so people over 80 to still have it. And that will take a little bit of pressure off the NHS in the short to medium term for sure. But it is a big week, isn't it, from that point of view? And uh, the likes of Professor Whitty, they do know what they're talking about as far as the pandemic is concerned but they can't be soothsayers they don't know exactly what's going to happen they're not they don't have a crystal ball but he tends to get it about right doesn't he yeah there's a massive lack of trust in politics and unfortunately um people like chris Whitty have been dragged into the political conversation and almost being uh, tarred with the same political brush uh, and that that that's never nice to see and as you say they've broadly been right about a lot of things and and it, there's no point in uh, this isn't really the time for just needlessly and endlessly criticizing that the what we're seeing right now i mean i think we've said before i thought i think it was inevitable that we were going to see the worst weeks this month it's just natural if you're going to reopen the economy and people are going to run to the shops and we saw the pictures of oxford street for example here in the uk 
Uh, if you're going to do that at the start of December when we're already in the midst of quite a bad second wave and then you've got the inevitable holiday period and then you've got families congregating, you've got people moving around the country, flying to different countries uh, to be with family and uh, we know again that this virus seems to spread a lot more in those kinds of environments when there isn't social distancing measures in place. It was inevitable that this was going to be the worst month of the pandemic, worst time of year after the worst possible uh, occasion as far as it's concerned. But throwing in the new variant just makes matters far, far worse again. And as you say, uh, Chris Whitty has been very, uh, very damning in in his view on how he perceives the next few weeks to be uh, and really warning about interactions and contacts with people and what that could implications that could possibly potentially have. And that's one of the reasons why I do think the, these markets may be a little bit more responsive to that kind of thing. Because it's not just the UK where I think this is going to be the worst uh, weeks uh, of the pandemic. I think it's going to be many, many countries. And therefore, it, it's hard to imagine that not dampening sentiment to some degree. And I, I always think the first quarter is always a bit more challenging as far as these markets are concerned. I feel like there's been a number of years when the first quarter is always a bit more downbeat and whether that's just psychological or whether there is more fundamental reasons behind that who knows but i do think that the next weeks could see a lot more focus on that and that could dampen sentiment obviously the next week itself i think there's still going to be a lot of uh, political us political hysteria uh, you would imagine uh, but the, this covid situation is almost far more severe than we're giving it credit for and uh, i do think that it's it's just going to be critical I, I look at i'm looking at the end of january and i'm thinking is the situation going to be improved to the point that we can seriously envisage the lockdown ending mid-february and i'm very much in the pessimistic end of the scale as you say there is cause for optimism the vaccines are being rolled out they are being rolled out in extremely high numbers and they are hoping i think is, is it a quarter or a third of the uk population will effectively have been vaccinated by the middle of february that's huge that's massive and especially if that covers uh, a, a huge chunk of, of the vulnerable then all, all of a sudden rather than talking about hospitals being overwhelmed you would imagine that that means that we're talking about the hospitals looking in a far healthier state and that allows you to reduce restrictions because the risk here is, is not the virus spreading amongst the healthy and the young the the risk is always it's spreading to those more severely impacted that is a massive positive but it's just a case of how long it takes that to have that knock-on effect to enable us to reopen to enable people to ultimately leave their houses indeed what about the economic indicators the numbers over the next uh, week or so is there anything we should look out for there's a couple of pieces, but I don't think, I mean, well, there's a lot of Fed speak this week, and I think that's going to be important, against, especially against the backdrop of these rising yields. And we're going to hear a lot, I think we'll want to hear a lot more about how they view the outlook now in the midst of, uh, against the backdrop of a Joe Biden administration, a potential for more stimulus. It does seem that they are becoming less dovish, which is why we're seeing US yields rising. So there's a lot of Fed speak, which I think is going to be crucial as far as this week's concerned. Then we've got things like U.S. inflation, uh, U.S. retail sales, which is um, notable points. But broadly speaking, it is low to mid-tier data uh, as far as the economic calendar is concerned. So I do think politics and therefore and COVID is still going to be front and centre. Obviously, this this last 12 months has thrown many surprises our way, so let's not ever write that off. But uh, the, as far as the data calendar is concerned, it's not exactly a knockout week. And before we end, Craig, your favourite subject, Bitcoin. Now, on Friday, we were talking about the humongous rise of Bitcoin over the last few weeks and indeed days. And you were predicting a bubble was about to burst. What happened? Yeah, I don't want to say that a bubble's burst because I think 
ultimately when it happens it could be far more severe but we've had a a, a slight deflation by bitcoin's own standards so the price was as high as what 41,600 or so uh, and fell over the course of the last 24 hours to as low as below 34,000 so around a 20% drop that we saw in bitcoin over the course of a 24 hour period in most assets that would be cause for panic bitcoin's already rebounding um and is now trading around what 35 35 and a half thousand and i'm sure by the time this goes out it could be anywhere between 30 and 40,000 plus uh but yeah i mean this is probably just a sign of what you what can happen in bitcoin i guess this is a, a red flag uh, that people should be paying close attention to i'm sure there's gonna be many people who are going to be seeing it as a buying opportunity um but i mean this this bitcoin swings i guess the hot thing to highlight here is the moves happen in both directions you can have 10 percent gains you can have 20 20 percent declines this is what makes it a wild ride uh, and I don't think the bubble's burst by any stretch of the imagination. I think when that, if that happens, when that happens, it'll be far more severe than that. But this is a, a very uh, unsavoury reminder that this is an instrument that moves in very much aggressively in two directions. Craig, have a very good week and we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers.